This is the day the Lord has made. Thank you for joining us in worship today. We praise God for you and however you're listening. We pray the message you receive will allow you to strengthen your relationship in Christ and build his kingdom as we seek God, shape lives, and serve the world. You realize it is so easy to get stuck in right where you are. God calls us to move beyond where we are. Jesus points out to us that we ought to do greater works than he has done. I know sometimes we get into a place where we feel like, you know, it's okay, I'm okay. I don't have everything like I want to have it. I've learned to adjust. I've learned how to make it through what I got to make it through. I'm okay with how life is. I'm okay with family and all this sort of stuff. I know the world is a terrible place and, you know, things going on in Washington and all that, but, I, you know, I can live through it. Let's, let's just wait it out. We'll get another president. You know, we'll get another governor. We'll get another this, so we're just going to wait it out. But God has called us to serve this present age. God has called us to move forward and get some things done in life that we need to get done. There has to be a willingness to move beyond where we are. Let me say that again. There has to be a willingness to move beyond where we are. God moves in us. We ought to desire to move beyond where we are. You ought to have a desire. I want to be better than what I am right now. I want to do more than I'm doing right now. There's so much more in life and so much more to life. It doesn't matter what age you are. We should always be wanting to learn. We should always be wanting to get further ahead if nothing else, we should always have a desire to help someone else to get further along and do it. We all have, God has all given us a sense of purpose and a sense of responsibility, some things to do. And I can tell you here at First African, I was talking about deacons on our deacons meeting and, and others that we're moving forward, even as we talk about uh, restructuring and making sure we get our Christian education exactly where we need to be, our Sunday school, our Bible study, and our other areas. And we're going to need your input because to be honest about it, we have to ask the question as if we're not attending Bible study, if we're not attending Sunday school, if we're not attending workshops and whatever else, we truly do need to know why not and what can we do. Sometimes it's all about a perception that we're trying to scratch where you're not itching. And sometimes we just need to know where you're itching. We need to know some things that you really need to know about. It's come to my, come to my mind, come, has come to me, that there used to be a time that, that parents and schools would even teach our, our children, our junior high and our middle school and high school, how to balance a checkbook. You know, you don't have to tell folk how to balance a checkbook no more because they ain't got checkbooks. But yet there's financial, you understand, still, we still need to know how to handle finances how not to spend more than you make. Because our society, with credit cards and everything else, will put it out there where you can spend and you hope to make the money that you just spent. And then if something happens and you don't work all those hours and you don't get it all together and you can't quite make it, now you spent more than you have and now we're going to get mad with the bill collectors when they're calling. So you lose your religion by cussing folk out that ain't got nothing to do with what you did. I say all the time, if you get a bill collector call you, that's a great time to witness. Don't hang up on people and cuss them out. You know, you, you represent Christ. 
So if they call you about the bill, you, you kindly get the call, yes. How may I help you? You better pay this bill. You don't pay this bill. You, you don't like, but listen, God bless you. <laughs> you do know that Jesus paid it all. <laughs> you don't have to be nasty. You know, you can go back and say some real nice things to him because you recognize the people who are calling you are not the people who own the business. The people calling you are people who just got a job, a minimum wage job, just so they could live and pay their bills, and they just got to call you. They don't want to call you no more than you want them to call. So, so it ought to be good to do that. But I'm saying to us, my message is, God wants us to go beyond what we've been doing. That's what I want us to get. God wants us to go beyond what we've been doing and what we've been saying and doing. So there's some, some things that we need to, to get this morning and begin to move. This is sort of like foundational preaching this morning. It's kind of building a foundation because... I love Bible study because in Bible study, and I say this all the time, you get to ask questions, but when I love my Bible study, I get to ask questions. I get to see, do you really understand what we just taught and what we're talking about? Do you understand how it applies to your, to your life today? And too many times, we could just, I could just say things from here, and you have to nod your head and agree. Sometimes if you don't quite understand what I said, I may have said it too fast, you just keep looking, and you can't say, oh, Pastor, slow down. I didn't quite get that point. Can you, can you rewind that? Bible study, we can. So I'm trying to slow down so when I'm preaching, we could get it and begin to, to understand it and, and do it. So the question this morning is, where are you in Christ? Yeah, where are you in Christ? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Does he live in your heart? Truly live in your heart. Now, I'm, I'm not talking about were you recruited to come to Christ and join the church? Because, see, I don't want us to get the misunderstanding that if you come and join church and, and come and be a part of our church, that everything's fine, cool, copacetic. You got heaven at your home, and you don't really care about nothing else. You just want to die and go to heaven. Because the, the, the real honest answer to that is, if you come and you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you commit it to Christ, you can't go on with business as usual. And put it another way, when you come and accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you are now having the presence of the Holy Spirit living in you, and the Holy Spirit will prompt you to do good works. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to cause other people to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, if you have no inclination to do any good works, and you have no inclination to lead anybody else to Christ, I want you to know on this day, put it down, the time that it is, that if you have no inclination to do any good works and you have no inclination for anybody else to be saved and you don't mind folk dying and going to hell, I want you to know you are not saved. Now, I, I, I had to put it out there like that because I don't want none of y'all to be mad at me at judgment. I've said this over and over again. I don't want you to get to the judgment gates and you looking to walk right on in there and they stop you at the gate and say, whoa, hold up. Who are you? I, I, we don't know you. So what you talking about? Oh, no, 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 no. My name is, and I go to historic First African Baptist Church, where the Reverend Thurman Neal Tillman is not. Don't call my name. <laughs> I'm telling you now. Understand that it is all about the blood of Jesus. Jesus died for our sins, rose in the grave. That's what gives us interest. Not because of what you have done. Not because you've done good works. That's not how you get in it. But you do good works because you are saved. You don't do good works to be saved. 
But once we've come to know him, once the Lord lives in our lives, once the Lord is in our hearts and he lives in us, then we have a desire to do the work God has called us to do each and every day. And we may do it different special and do it special ways. So where? Where are you in Christ? Where are you and where are you going? Or where should you be in Christ? Thank God he has called us to do more than just come to him. Think about it. I, I read this, we're going through something, I read this and it just kind of dawned on me. Think about it. Church is really more than getting folk to come in the doors and be a part of the church and then become a cheerleader. And we just cheer on whatever goes on in the building. And then more cheerleaders come. And that's all we want. Well, no, he didn't call us to come and be cheerleaders. He called us to be disciples. And that's the difference. Disciples are the ones who will actually come to Christ, but then do the work of Christ so others will come to Christ. And it's all about his will being done. It's his will that none should perish. It's God's will that nobody will end up in hell. But the only way that folk who don't know Christ will come to know Christ is because of us who know Christ. Yeah. Satan does what he can to keep us from believing that Jesus died and rose from the grave. Yeah, everything he could do to keep us from believing. We celebrated Resurrection Sunday two Sundays ago. We celebrated the fact of what happened, that Jesus came through 42 generations. He went about doing good. Yeah, we celebrated the fact that when Jesus was born of a babe, as a babe, wrapped in a swaddling clothes, laid in the manger of a virgin Mary, we celebrated how he lived, what he did. We celebrated the fact that even as he came in on, to Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and how they put down palm branches down and cried Hosanna to he who comes in the name of David. We celebrated all that. We celebrated even the fact that there was a good Friday and we talked about how is it good when such a terrible thing happened to the one who we love and the one who loves us. We said, why is it good when Jesus allowed them to put nails in his hands and nails in his feet, crown of thorns on his head? We talked about how was it that he took on all of our sins and he hung on the cross for you and for me. We talked about how it was that Jesus hung on the cross and the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He hung on the cross from the sixth to the ninth hour and he died for all of your sins. He died for all of my sins. The Bible says he died. But the story doesn't stop there. He was placed in the bar with two rooms, stayed there all night Friday, all day Saturday, all night Saturday, but early on Sunday morning, he got up from the grave with power, power over the grave and victory over death. And we celebrate that story. That's the good news, that Jesus rose from the dead. But if we look at Matthew 28, we'll find out, just backing up a few verses from what we read earlier, and when he got up on that Sunday, it said in verse 8, so the women hurried away from the tomb, and, and when they got to the tomb, I'm sorry, back up, it said the angel said to the women when they got to the tomb, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Come to the place where he lay. They said, then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There will we see him. He said, now, she said, now I've told you. So the women heard away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them as they were leaving. Jesus met them and said, greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now notice how when this happened, 
when Jesus died and when Jesus rose in the grave, notice what happened. And Satan moving in the lives of those then and sometimes of us now. Notice what happened. It said, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised the plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you ought to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. What, 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 happened, what, happened, what happened was after Jesus died, after Jesus rose from the grave, and there was an empty tomb. Even the guards who were there, when they saw the angels, they were, they were cast down, and they, they, they saw the angel. The, the stone rolled away. Jesus, Jesus rose from the grave. He was gone. Folded the clothes. Yeah. Folded the napkin, and his, napkin, his head garment was there. But he left. Now, the, the Jewish leaders were trying their best to dispel the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. So they were trying to figure out how can we say he did not get up. So the guards went to the chief priests instead of to their boss. Instead of going to the Roman soldiers, their commanders, because by law, if they fell asleep on the job, they were to be killed on the spot. So because they didn't want to be killed, they realized that the Jewish leaders had a stake in this. So they went to those Jewish leaders, those religious leaders, and said to them, listen, you know, um, the, the body gone. Jesus gone. The, the stone rolled back. The body gone. Say, okay, wait, 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 come on. Let's, let's work something out. Let's work something out. All right, let's say this. Let's say that y'all were sleeping. And let's say that the disciples came and stole his body. Or, or just somebody stole the body. Let's, let's work on that. And, and we'll back you up. And we'll give you some money to, to, for you to tell everybody that, that that's what happened. That he did not get up from the grave. That, that's what we want to spread out there. He did not get up from the grave. Does anybody know a lie can travel much faster than the truth will? And they started spreading that lie that he didn't get up from the grave. Now, now think about it. Anybody with any, any sense whatsoever during that time would know a couple of things. That if you were asleep, how you knew who took him? That's the first thing. I mean, you're supposed to be asleep, so you can't tell if his disciples came to take him or if anybody took him, you don't know that. But, but, but if you're going to take the body, you're also going to take the grave clothes, too. All right, so that, that, that story was all, you know, just all tattered that, you know, ain't making any sense. But the guards went along with it because they're trying to keep living, and they got paid. So they went with it, and they went on telling that, telling that. But, but, but Jesus met them. See, what, 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 what the guards and the chief priests and all of them realized is that when Jesus rose from the dead, he still would be seen in bodily form to so many, over 500 people. And Jesus did that. He was going to meet with his disciples. He met with them uh, when they were in a, in a closed room. They, they, they were there, and when he was with them, Thomas was not present, and he met, just came into the room without him to do He just showed up there with them, and they saw him, and they acknowledged that he was Jesus. But Thomas wasn't there, and they started telling Thomas, Thomas, you should have seen that Jesus was right here. Jesus, Jesus died. He said, no, 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 but we saw him. He said, no, I don't know what y'all saw, but it couldn't have been Jesus. He said, I won't believe it till I can really thrust my hand inside and I can touch his hand and see the nail prints. 
And then Jesus showed up with Thomas present. And he said, look at my hand. Look at me. He said, he said listen. He said, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. But blessed are those who believe and have not seen. See? See, God, God listen. So, so we, we believe that Jesus did die. We believe that he got up from the grave. Then he appeared to the 11 disciples. Yeah, when they went to Galilee, as he told them, at the mountain. And it was there when he saw him. And verse 17 says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. This was an extraordinary thing. They've seen him before. They've seen him. They've touched him. They've seen him. They noticed with Jesus. And now they're there. And the first thing they begin to do is worship him. But even they doubted. I wonder today, how many of us worship him and still doubt? Can you truly believe that he is who he said he is? That he's doing what he said he'll do? Is there anybody here who can witness that he's already touched your life? He's already made a change in your life. He's already done something that you can tell him. I know it was nobody but the Lord that did it in my life. But we see that when this happened, he saved us so we can tell the good news. Now, now please get this. If you don't get anything else, please get this. It's the, to the, what, what God is doing in our lives. He saved us to tell the good news so others can be saved. Then tell others so they can be saved. And tell others so they can be saved and tell others. And we tell others by doing more than just telling others. We tell others by becoming disciples. What I mean by that is we tell others not by just the words we say but by the things we do. You're showing somebody you love Christ when everybody and everything all around you is mad and upset and fussing and cussing, and you can say, you know what? I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart and lean not to my own understanding. God helps us day by day to get stronger and stronger and better and better. He will keep us and sustain us in the midst of everything we go through. Look at what he tells us. He tells us that whether we understand or not, he, he wants us to realize that we are called and we've been called to serve. We just don't tell them, tell, we just don't tell them that Jesus lived. We show them that Jesus lived. We make disciples. He tell us, I need you to go and make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What would happen if every last one of us made it our mission to call some people who we believe who are not saved if we went out of our way to call them to be saved? What would happen if we would be strong enough and we would be courageous enough to tell the folk in this sin-sick world that God loves them? Jesus died for their sins, rose from the grave. He loved you so much that he wants you to really know him. He wants you to really come to him and be a part of what he'll have you be a part of. Now, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying what something we used to say, I used to say all the time. If you come to the Lord, he'll fix everything in your life. Because, see, that's, it's true, but it's a misnomer. Because the people you're talking to, what they want fixed is they want the mortgage paid. Yeah. What they want fixed is they want that no good spouse to show up and start being good. Well, that may not happen the day that they come and say, I got Jesus. But what God will do is he'll work on you. He'll work on the individual so you can make it through the situations you're going through and be able to live in such a way that if you can cause other folk to come to know Christ, that person you can't stand becomes somebody who you can't stand to be without. 
Let me put it another way. Either you got to change the folk you're around, or you got to change the folk you're around. You got to, yeah, you, you got to change the folk you're around, or change the folk you're around. And if you say, well, I'm not around nobody who's not saved, then you need to, you need to get out a little more. Because <laughs> they're everywhere. And they'll let you know they're unsaved. Sometimes saved folk act like they're unsaved. But, but they'll they let you know. And it's by the things they say. By the things they do. By the stuff they tweet. By the stuff they post on Facebook. You know, we got so many opportunities to reach folk who don't know Christ, but he calls us, to, not just the pastor, not just the deacons, not just trustees. No, he calls every last one of us to make disciples. He, he calls us to do that. We're saved so we can save others. We're saved so he can use us by his presence of his Holy Spirit, causing others to be saved. And let me tell you this, we need to quit thinking that the only folk who need Jesus are the people who live In the projects. Because every time we start to go out and do something evangelistic, we want to go to Caden Homes, Fraser Homes, want to go to Yamakar, want to go to We always want to go somewhere. No, no, no. We need to be going to the landings. Yeah, we, we need to be going some places where folk, you, they, listen, folk in corporate America doing the stuff they're doing, they showing up in Jesus. And all it takes is us to be able to live a life before them in such a way and share with them, God loves you, God cares for you. Now, I've heard many pastors, I heard some pastors in Atlanta talk about some of the past presidents. Now, not this one, but I've been around some of the past presidents, and they said they knew one president that if he went to heaven, he had to go by hell for a little while first. <laughs> but, but the point I'm making is, that if we can see the conditions in our neighborhoods and see the conditions in our families and see the conditions around us, don't give up on folk. No, no, no. Don't give up on people and say, you know what, they've been that way all their life. They ain't going to never be saved. I'm tired of talking to them. Don't get tired of talking. Not about Jesus. Don't get tired of being kind and being gracious and being loving and being caring. Don't get tired of doing those things God wants you to do because that's God's signature in you. You, you're not loving and being kind and being careful and showing forth to Jesus because you got yourself all together. No, on the contrary. You're doing it because you're not together. You're doing it because you can't identify with the folk who also don't have it together. And when we tell people that we don't have it together, but we depend upon a God who has it all together. And God living in us is greater than anything else anywhere else. We can let them know we do serve a God who loves, a God who cares, and a God who trusts. Transform society. He goes on to say, well, how do you do it? He says, make disciples of all, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says this, teach them whatever I have taught you. Now, see, sometimes we say, well, I don't know enough to tell people who are unsaved about being saved. Yeah, you do. You know enough. You know the difference God has made in your heart. You know the difference God has made in your life. If God has transformed you, if he's made your life better, just tell them what he's taught you. If you know he'll make a way out of no way, just tell them what he taught you. If you know he's been your bridge over troubled waters, just teach them what he's taught you. He says, teach them what I have taught you. Be a disciple of what you have known. If you know that God can give you a peace that passes all understanding, teach that to others. 
And even when you mess up, even when you come short, be man enough, be woman enough to say, yes, I've sinned, yes, I've come short. Yes, God is not pleased with this. But you still need to know that Jesus lives. You still need to know that God cares. You still need to know that he can make, uh, make new in your life that which is old and that which is not what it ought to be. Question, and I'm done. Did Jesus go out of his way to cause you to be saved? I, I mean, he, he, he may not have met you like he did Saul on the Damascus Road. But does somebody have to take up extra time with you to get you to know how much God loves you? Think of the things that somebody had to go out of their way to do to get you to know Jesus. I, my, my, my story is plain. Y'all have heard mine thousands of times. How, how, how I, I would grow up in the church. I was a preacher's son. And I can tell you at age 17, had I died in hell, I would lift up my eyes. Oh, I knew church. I knew how to do church. Oh, I had church down. I, oh, I knew how to do church. I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday school, Sunday worship. I was in the BTU. Y'all know what that is? The Baptist Training Union. Then we had evening worship. I went to worship whenever we had church anniversary. And it was every night of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. I went to revival, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. I went to pastor anniversary, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. And if that wasn't enough, my dad had the nerve to go to other people's anniversary. I had to go to there too. You know what I'm talking about, Charlie. <laughs> and you went over to know another one. Went to funerals. But can you imagine all that church going, I didn't know Jesus. I heard about Jesus. I, I knew, you know, I knew Jesus died and he rose from the grave, but not a personal relationship. And it wasn't until I went to the Ritz Theater one Friday night on Newcastle Street in Brunswick, Georgia. I was tricked to go to a movie. My best friend said he was I thought he was paying for the movie, but it was a free movie. So I thought this was a regular movie night. But, but this was a movie that was sponsored by the Billy Graham Crusades. And we got in there and watched a movie called A Restless Ones. And I'll never forget that the conclusion of that movie, when, when all the people started coming out in the stands to the Billy Graham at the football stadium, coming down to, to, to accept Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. And, and the lights start going up, and I'm saying to myself, to my friend, you know, it's time to get out of here. I don't know what these folks doing. And I looked at Irvis, and he was just boo-hoo crying. And his tears got me to cry. And I said to myself, right then and there, I want Jesus in my life. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that was a great awakening for me, because I thought I was good. Y'all got to hear me. I thought I was good. But had I died, I wasn't good. And see, the evidence of being good is the stuff you do after you save. I'm not talking about being perfect. But I'm talking about a desire to have other folk to come to know Christ and a desire to do more for others 
that they may, may live and get to be better in Christ. Because the gifts we're given is for the edification of the body of Christ. That means to build up the body. So it builds up by people, new people coming, and it builds up by people who are already saved getting stronger. What are we doing to help other folk to be stronger in Christ? Not tearing down folk, not, not criticizing folk, not talking about folk. That's not the way to do it. The Bible says we ought to encourage one another. If somebody's not doing right, encourage them to do right. You can't fuss somebody into doing what's right. You have to be encouraged by other folk who love you. So as I conclude, the question is, do you love Jesus? Does he live in your heart? Realize I need the Lord in my life. Remain connected to us as we build God's kingdom together. Join us on Facebook at the historic First African Baptist Church and our website, firstafricanbc.com. You may also contribute through an app called Givelify, G-I-V-E-L-I-F-Y. May God bless you and thank you for worshiping with us.